Today I want to talk to you about the miracle of maturity. Now some of you say, well, Pastor, maturity, isn't that like a process? Well, yeah, it is a process. But whenever it's done and as it's going on, when people see your life, they refer to it as a miracle. But some of you have grown the way that God has changed you. The difference that he's made in your life is nothing short of miraculous. Just yesterday, we celebrated our, my daughter Logan's 14th birthday. As I look at her, she's growing into a beautiful young lady that I'm very proud of. But it doesn't seem very long ago. In fact, it seems almost just like yesterday when her little feet would fit in the palm of my hand. Whenever her arms were not much bigger than my fingers. You guys remember those days with your kids? It just seems like yesterday. For some of you ladies, you look at that big old kid that you have, that son or daughter, and you're like, man, alive, how did they fit in my stomach? It's miraculous, isn't it? How they've grown and how they've matured. These changes that take place in their lives, you're watching it as a parent. Sometimes whenever your kids are growing up, it's kind of weird because at one moment you look at them and you're just kind of blown away that look how tall she's getting. Wow, look how big he's gotten. In some ways, it seems like it took a long time for it to happen. In other ways, as I said, it just seems like it was just overnight. And sometimes we have to look back at old pictures or photographs and, and see our sons and our daughters. And we remember, wow, she really has changed. Boy, he really has grown up. For most of us, the idea of maturing is not an overnight process. It's usually slow and gradual. And so a lot of times we don't notice the changes that are taking place. Someone who hasn't seen them for a while will notice those changes. But for you and I who are with them every day, we don't seem to notice the changes real apparent. The same is true when it comes to the spiritual side. You and I are growing and maturing. And one of the things that excites me about the church here at Lighthouse is the way that God is changing people's lives just moment by moment and hour by hour. I wish I could tell you all the stories. See, the cool thing for a pastor is whenever he goes somewhere else, I have a whole file of stories about you. But I can't tell them here. There's stories and there's illustrations and all kinds of stuff that God has done in people's lives. But sometimes things are private and you just can't tell those things. But again and again, I see examples of how God is changing people's lives. Just a few weeks ago, I, there was a, a, a person from a church here. And it's funny because things get back to me, you know. Um, people will, you know, they'll tell me things and... and And they told me something about this person, so I called them up on the phone. And I said, hey, man, I just want you to know how proud I am of you. He's like, what are you talking about? And we went on. I said, well, I heard about how you responded in a particular situation. And I said, I just want you to know that that is God at work in your life. And this person busts out laughing. And he said, yeah, pastor, it sure is God at work in my life. There had been a situation that had arose at some time in the past. And it would have been easy for this person in this person's old life. In the old life, they would not have handled it well. It would not have gone well at all for anybody involved in the situation. 
And, and whenever the situation arose, the person talked to me about it, and they handled it this wonderful. They forgave. They let things go. It wasn't a big issue. Didn't make a big deal about it. And then it came time later on, the person who had mistreated them to need something. Someone who had grown in the Lord a little bit would have just been, oh, well, that's too bad. I already forgave them and moved on. You know what I mean? They would have just overlooked the need. But when this person found out about the need, they go to this other person and help them, did it for free, served them, and was happy and smiling about it. And I said to him, you know, God's really changed your life, hasn't he? This person said, yeah, pastor, that's God. Here's, here's the situation. But in all of our lives, God is at work. The way that we are responding to situations and circumstances today are a result of the maturing process that God has worked in our lives. Some of you are going through difficult trials. And the fact that you are still sane is a sign that God is at work in your life. means that, hey, God is alive. The, The fact that they haven't pushed you right over the edge. It's nothing short of miraculous. What is it? It's that God is at work in our lives and he's strengthening us and he's producing perseverance and character and godliness and righteousness in our lives. In the book of Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, and let me just say this, I'm proud of you. As a congregation, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of the way that you respond to trials and circumstances. I'm proud of the way that you respond whenever things get tough. There's something about when the pressure comes on, what sque- when you're squeezed, what comes out is what's inside. And I watch some of you, the character, the integrity, the class in which you handle difficult situations. When you're squeezed, the faith that you have, what comes out, it's because God's at work. In Philippians chapter 1, starting at verse 1, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion Until the day of Christ Jesus. It's right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart. For whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affections of Christ Jesus. And this was my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and in depths of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Lord, we pray that you would add a blessing to the reading of your word. I pray that you would once again give us ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord would say to us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, the Apostle Paul writes to the Philippians, and he tells them about how he feels about them. The Apostle Paul had a very close relationship with the church at Philippi. He thanks God for them, 
and in particular for their partnership with him in the ministry. Then he says this to him. He says, I am confident that the one who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. Paul had full assurance. He was not worried about it. He was not stressed out about it. He was not anxious about it. He was not saying, oh boy, I sure hope those folks at Philippi get their stuff together. No, Paul is confident and fully assured that God who started the good work in them would complete it. Now, why do you think he was able to say that? Because I believe this. I believe he saw the work that God had already done in their lives. As Paul looks at them, sometimes the saying, we're not there yet, we haven't arrived, but we're sure a whole lot further along than what we were yesterday. And sometimes we're not perfect. We understand that. We make mistakes and we fall short of the glory of God. But you know what? I thank God so much that we're a whole lot further along than what we were a year ago or two years ago or three years ago or four years ago. And one of the things the enemy wants to do is bring discouragement in our lives because he loves to point out those areas in your life where maybe you have a weakness. Once again, we haven't arrived. But one of the things that Paul said to the church at Philippians, he says, I'm completely confident of this, that God has started this work in you. And God will carry it on to completion. God will finish what he has started in your heart and in your life. In 2 Timothy 1.12, Paul wrote this to Timothy. He says, that's why I am suffering as I am. Yet I am not ashamed because I know whom I have believed. And I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him for that day. That him, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. That's one of the assurances. Paul said, I'm convinced of this in my heart. In the deepest part of my spirit, I am assured of this. I'm convinced of this. This matter has been settled. That God is able to keep what I've entrusted to him until the day of Christ Jesus. God's able to finish the work that he has started in my life. Those things that I've entrusted to him. Let me ask you a question. Do you trust in the promises of God? Oh, well, yeah, pastor. I believe in the promises of God. Do you believe in the promises that he's made to you about yourself? See, because I don't know about you, but sometimes in the midst of this walk following God, there's times in which I grow weary and I get discouraged because I think I should be further along than what I am. Do you ever have those times whenever a test comes your way and you kind of really blow it? And you just really get down on yourself and kind of disgusted with yourself. And you're like, I've been saved for X amount of years. I shouldn't be acting this way. I shouldn't be thinking this way. I shouldn't be responding this way. I'm bigger than that. I'm more mature than that. And yet this is where I find myself. But there's this assurance that God is at work within our lives. The enemy wants to cause fear and discouragement and cause us to grow weary in that. But there's no reason for you and I to grow tired because God has promised. He's promised us in his word that he will complete the work that he started. We go on a little bit further here. Do you trust that God is able to finish what he started in your life? Do you trust that God can sanctify you through and through? Do you trust that he can purify your heart 
that he can change the way that you think, that he can really, do you really trust that God's promise that he can shape us into the image of his son, Jesus Christ? Because that's his purpose, that we would be conformed into the image of his son. So I understand a lot of times we believe these promises for somebody else, but sometimes it's hard to believe that God will really do that in us, that he'll really change us. Maybe, or maybe there's just one person here who God wants you to hear that he's going to finish what he started in your life. He's going to finish what he has started. He's going to change those things in your life that he has started. Complete that work. The second thing we want to talk about a problem. We need to address this issue of maturity and sanctification. When we came to Christ for salvation, many of us were not at the top of our game. There may have been some of you who just, you were at the top of your game and everything was going great and everything was going wonderful. And you said, I know what I need. I need to have Jesus be the Lord of my life. But for most people, and a lot of people, that's really not the situation when they come to God. There's a lot of people, they have to be in a situation or circumstance that reveals their need for God. Okay? You see, it's a lot of times... It's through heartache and pain and difficulties. It's through the times that it seems like life is falling apart. And then we realize, wow, I need God. I need someone else's help. I can't do this on my own. So for many people, when they come to Christ, it's at that time of brokenness. It's almost for, I'm not saying for everybody, but for many people, like the pressure really has to be on for them to surrender. Because I ain't surrendering for nothing. For many people, it's like they finally come to that point where they surrender their life to God. And they say, God, if you can do something with this, here it is. And the beautiful thing is that God comes in and he forgives us of our sins and he redeems us and he changes our hearts and changes our desires. But oftentimes we've had to come to a place where we realize we cannot do it on our own. But when it comes to the issue of maturity and sanctification, why is it that many feel that they must do that on their own? Okay, I understand that God forgave me of my sins. I understand that God came and dwelt in my heart. I know that Jesus died on the cross. And there's nothing that I could do. Like, I know I couldn't save myself. I tried to be good enough, and that didn't work. And I know that the only way was for God to come in and change my life. But now... I'll take care of the issues that have to deal with sanctification. Those are the things that I'll have to work out. Much like the Galatians who began their relationship with Christ in the spirit and then attempted to finish it through human efforts. And I believe that there's many folks who are guilty of that today. They'll say, well, I'll trust in God. I'll trust in Jesus to save me. But as far as like living this out on a daily basis, this is my baby now. I got to handle this one. And that's not true. In Galatians chapter 3 verse 1, Paul writes to them and he says, You foolish Galatians, who's bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish, after beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human efforts? This issue of maturity in our lives, 
we begin this walk with Christ in the Spirit. This issue of maturity has to be completed in the same way, by the Spirit, by trusting in the Lord, by depending upon the Lord, by waiting upon the Lord. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Notice what that verse says. It says that we're to continue to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and act according to his good purpose. In some ways, that verse almost seems like a contradiction, doesn't it? It says that you continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And that's what a lot of us are doing, all right? We're trying to work out our salvation. We're trying to work out the maturity. We're trying to work out this growing in God. And sometimes we're trying to do it in our own strength, and our own abilities. But there's a cool part. It says that you're to continue to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to act according to his good purposes. So we're to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling while God is at work within our lives. The one kind of a a quick line. They were told to work out or to put into practice in their daily living what God had worked in them by his spirit. They were not told to work for their salvation, but to work out the salvation. Do you realize this, that God is at work in you? And he's at work not just trying to change your actions. See, because a lot of times when we talk about maturity, a lot of us focus upon our actions. And we're like, you know what? I'm a Christian. I go to church. Helping out with the kids' church thing now. They've been getting me to help out with Royal Rangers. And I'm doing this and I'm that. But sometimes the way I act don't line up with who I say I am. Ah, man. And so we focus upon the behavior. We focus upon the outward actions that everybody can see. And sometimes we would be ashamed if people saw or heard some of the things that we say and do. But see, here's the thing. You can spend a lifetime trying to work on those outward things. And just want you to know that God is really concerned about your heart. God's concerned about both because it's God who works within you, both to will. In other words, that's the desire. That's the heart issues. That God wants to change the desires of your heart and your behavior so that your heart no longer longs after those things of the flesh. And I want to just tell you something. That is possible. It's possible for your heart to be changed, for your desires, for your will to be changed so that they align with what God's will is and his desires. Then finally, Paul's prayer. Paul's prayer is found in verses 9 through 11. And I heard a guy speaking a while back. And whenever you think of Paul, what's the title that you put before his name? The Apostle Paul, right? Most of us think of him as the Apostle Paul. Now, I mean, honestly, I don't know too many apostles. You know, I know that people function in that office, and I don't know too many. 
But I heard this one guy speaking, and he was referring to him as Pastor Paul. And I was like, you know, like Apostle Paul seems to me like more of an itinerant evangelist who would go into town, and he was a tent maker. Maybe Paul threw one of those tents up and had a meeting under it. Just thinking of a guy who's there for a while, and then he's gone. When this guy was referring to him as Pastor Paul, I was like, wow, see, that's different. That's someone who is concerned about the long-term commitment and the long-term growth of people. It brought a different insight to me or a view of what Paul was saying. Paul loved these people deeply. And he says in verse 9, this is my prayer for you, that your love may abound more and more. Paul says, I want your love to grow. I want the love of, because, you know, that's the greatest commandment. That's the world, when they see us, they're going to know we're Christians by our love. And love is an action word. It's something that moves us to act. And it causes us to behave in particular ways. And so Paul says, I want your love to abound more and more. In knowledge and in depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best. Paul says, I want your love to grow so much in knowledge and depth of insight, so you may be able to discern what is best. You know that sometimes as believers, we accept things that are good in place of what is best. We exchange things that are good. Well, that's good but it's not God's very best for you. Well, that's good, but it's not God's best. And he says, I want you to be able to discern what is best for you. One of the things that as God works in our lives, and as he changes us, that God's going to reveal himself to us. And that's why in the midst of trials, as you grow in your love for God, love for one another, In the midst of trials, you'll grow in depth of knowledge. There's things that you'll be able to understand that God will be able to reveal to you that in the past you couldn't handle. There's lessons that God is trying to show you or teach you that in the past you were completely blind and oblivious to it. You couldn't see, you couldn't understand. But Paul prays for them that they would grow more and more in knowledge and in depth of insight so that they could discern what is best. And he says it may... Be pure and blameless until the day of Christ. Filled with righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. To the glory and praise of God. All of these things that he prays for them is to the glory and praise of God. That when people see you, glory goes to God. When people see you going through, you know, some of you have lost your job. And in the midst of losing your job, you're still trusting in the Lord. You're still having peace. You're still doing what you're supposed to do. They're like, what are you going to do? I'm trusting in God. Sounds crazy. I'm trusting in God. Why? When people see the way you and I respond to difficult situations, it brings glory and praise to God. Yeah, there's people who are watching you and I. There's people who are observing our lives. But there's different times where God puts different people here in our congregation. He puts them upon our heart. And one of the things as a pastor that's the greatest joy is to see whenever people are growing in the Lord. Like seriously, there's no greater joy. When when your dad 
or your grandparents would give you gifts and you'd want to give something back to them. And like they were happier giving you and seeing you be happy getting the gifts than what they were whenever you tried to give them something. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, as a kid, you don't understand that. As a kid, you're just like, no, just give me something else. What else can I have? But as a grandparent or as a parent, you grow up, you start to understand that there's a joy, there's a blessing that comes into your life whenever you see your kids being blessed. And a lot of times we'll see this in sports with coaches. A coach sometimes, it's just as exciting for them to see their kids succeed and to see their team win as it is whenever they play. I mean, they get as much joy. And as a pastor, that's one of the, the, the roles or the, the delights that I have is whenever I see you guys growing in the Lord. Whenever we see that here's a trial and here's a difficulty that's come your way. Because storms do come our way. And difficult times come our way. And the wave hits you and I look and when the wave sweeps over, there you are still standing. Sometimes I'm amazed. I mean, we might be knocked down a little bit, but they get back up. I'm amazed sometimes at the maturity of God's people. That trial comes their way, difficulty comes their way, hardship comes their way, painful experiences come their way. And whenever the smoke clears, because you got to look for a while, because sometimes it's like pretty smoky. But when the smoke clears... There they are, and they're still standing. And you're like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Why? Because the work that God has begun in your life is something that's true and it's real. And even hard times and difficulties can't steal it away. What God has started in your life, listen to me, friend, he will bring it to pass. What he's begun in you is a good work. It's not some kind of emotional experience. It's the true reality of life. And what God has begun in you, he will complete. I tell you the greatest joy of my life. I promise you, the greatest experience I'll ever have is someday I'm going to stand before God and I'm going to be looking and I'm going to see people, you and you and you, who have stood to test in the midst of hard times and difficulties and painful experiences, at times when you could have turned your back and walked away from God, and at times when you wanted to because you were so discouraged and frustrated, you've held on to the Lord. You've trusted in him. And there's one day, I believe that God's going to let me stand by the sidelines, and he's going to start calling out names. We're going to see that. But until that day comes, I believe with all my heart we're going to see that. I believe we're going to see untold hundreds of who have put their trust and their faith in God. I'll be able to see on that eternal day. But until that day comes, there's something else that blesses me. And that's that on a day-to-day basis, whatever difficulties and trials and situations come your way, and I don't have to question, I think I do the right thing. Now, because I have incredible faith that the work God started in you, he's going to finish. That the commitment that you've made to him, we're going to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. The commitment that you have made to him, that whenever the dust clears, well, here comes a difficulty, here comes a sickness, here comes a family problem, here comes a financial problem. I have full assurance that you're going to be standing. Why? Because the work that God has done in your life is authentic and it's real. 
And we're just in this process of him finishing. So let me just pray over you. Father God, I thank you for the work that you've started in our lives. And Lord, we'll just admit before you that sometimes we grow weary and we grow tired in this process. Sometimes, Lord, we've kind of shifted and we've taken on responsibilities that are not ours and taken on weights that are not ours. And other times, Lord, we've tried to give away our responsibility. We've tried to blame things on other people. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that we're going to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling because we know it is you who works within us, causing us both to will and to act according to your good purposes. So, Father God, I pray that we would see in this congregation a level of maturity that just blows people's minds. I pray that you would reveal it, Lord, just on a daily basis. I pray that you would give us eyes that we can see whenever a brother or sister is in a difficult time or just the way that they respond, the way that they respond, that we can see Jesus in them, that that is the work of the Holy Spirit. Do you, do you see that person there? A year ago, they would have been bitter and angry, but now they're forgiving and they're gracious. A year ago, they would have tried to find a way out. Now they're bearing up under this trial and difficulty. Lord, I thank you that you have begun a good work in us, and I pray that that issue would be satisfied and settled in people's hearts, that God started this work in my life, and he promised he's going to complete it. I pray for those who are just tired and weary. They just say, Lord, I'm just tired. God, I ask that in Jesus' name that you would refresh them and assure them of your promises to complete what you've started. And we'll thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.